ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الى يوم الدين اما بعد this is the second lesson that we're having reading from the explanation of Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan Hafizahullah Ta'ala for Nawaqid uh, Al-Islam by Sheikh Al-Imam Al-Mujaddid Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah Ta'ala and this lesson is being conducted on the 24th the 24th of Dhul Qa'dah the year 1440 Hijri corresponding to the 27th of July 2019 last week we gave an introduction and we are still in the introduction which is mentioned by Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan Hafizahullah Ta'ala and for clarity the introduction which is present in the Arabic it's not present in the English translation of the book which was done by our brother Abu 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 Abbas Musa Richardson Hafizahullah Ta'ala and translated by our brothers or and published by our brothers at Mashhad Al-Furqan in Toronto Canada but the introduction by Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan Hafizahullah Ta'ala is not present in the English translation but it is present in the Arabic work that's one uh, thing that we wanted to bring to our brother's attention. Another thing, last week I mentioned when we first began uh, our lesson, I mentioned that there are a number of explanations which are available on the market. From those like the one we're reading from, Sheikh Salah al-Fawzan Hafizullah Ta'ala, I also mentioned that there's an explanation by Sheikh bin Bas. Now I want to clarify something. the explanation by Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala it's called subulus salam sharh nawaqid al-islam subulus salam sharh nawaqid al-islam but it is it was not authored by Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala rather the individual compiled an explanation by Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas from his many other works So he has books that Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala has books that he has authored and he has lessons that he taught he has lessons that he taught in tawhid this individual gathered the content of this book from other works by Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala and he compiled it as if it's an explanation so in each part of the book the original book by in each part of the original work by Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala wherever Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala mentions something about nawaqid al-islam and Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Baz explained that in another book or in a, a lesson the author put it in that part of the work so he compiled so he compiled uh the explanation from different works of Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala but there is no complete explanation by Sheikh Abdul Aziz till this day it hasn't been printed a complete explanation by the Sheikh rahimahullah ta'ala 
As we continue in this introduction by Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Ta'ala, and he mentioned, and it was the first lesson that he gave. And the first lesson that Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Ta'ala, gave of Nawaqid al-Islam, he gave this introduction and he said it would be beneficial. He said it would be beneficial. So that's what we're reading from. And he usually does that. Um, sometimes it's printed in the books and sometimes it's not printed in the book, but... If you sit in the durus of Sheikh Salah al-Fawzan, before he begins the work, usually he gives uh, a beneficial introduction to the book, clarification about the book. He usually says something about the author. So that's what we're reading from. Um, he, he's discussing uh, the issue of the things that invalidate a person's Islam by starting with this introduction. From that which Sheikh Salah al-Fawzan, Habib Allah Ta'ala, mentioned, he mentioned that Islam has nawaqid, that Islam has things that invalidate a person's Islam. He said, فَقَدْ يَدْخُلُ الْإِنسَانُ الْإِسْلَامَ ثُمْ لَكِنْ يَرْتَكِبْ أَشْيَاءَ تُخْرِجُهُ مِنَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَهُوَ يَدْرِي أَوْ لَا يَدْرِي He said, it's possible that an individual enters into Islam and this is a clarifying for us the importance of studying this work. He said, it's possible that an individual enters into Islam, but thereafter the individual commits certain things. He commits certain acts. And we're going to see the different categories action, statements, whatever, beliefs, we're going to see, read from that in this lesson, the person commits something that takes him out of the fold of Islam, whether he realizes it or whether, he, whether he's aware of it or whether he's unaware of it. The person can take a statement, have a belief, um, do an action, takes him out of the fold of Islam, and he doesn't even realize that it, this action is something that takes you out of the fold of Islam. فَيَجِبُ عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ مَعْرِفَةُ هَذِهِ النَّوَاقِدِ So it's obligatory upon an individual to know these things. Now, for clarity, is it obligatory for the person to memorize this particular book that we're studying? No, it's not obligatory for you to memorize. But you should understand the content. Because not everybody is a student of knowledge. Not everybody has the capability of memorizing these nawaqid. But do they understand without memorizing word for word? It's obligatory for you to understand these uh, issues that invalidate one's Islam. And in that regard, it was mentioned by Sheikh bin Baz, in that same explanation that was compiled, like I mentioned earlier. He said uh, in one of the lessons, one of the audio lessons that he taught, he said about this work, Nawaqid al-Islam. He said, هذه العقيدة الإسلامية فيها قواضح تقده فيها ونواقد تنقدها يجب أن نبينها He said, so this Islam, this Islamic belief has factors that blemish it and things that invalidate it it is obligatory that we explain it. It is obligatory that we explain it. 
And the things that blemish and harm a person's Islam are two categories. The first category is the category that invalidates this aqidah and makes it void and the person becomes a disbeliever. The second, And the second category is that which decreases, it makes this aqidah weak. It makes the aqidah, the faith of the individual weak. It doesn't take him out of the fold of Islam, but it makes the individual and his belief weak. So that was what was mentioned by Sheikh Abdulaziz bin Bas, which clarifies for us the importance of understanding. If we can memorize, we memorize. But the importance of understanding these particular, uh, and like we mentioned, these particular uh, uh, factors that take one out of the fold of Islam, these particular factors that take one out of the fold of Islam. And like we mentioned last week, the speech of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Rahab is that, in his other works, is that the nawaqid of Islam are not ten. That the nawaqid of Islam are not ten. They're greater than ten, but these are the most important or the others Many of the others, they return to, to these ten. Going back to that which Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan mentioned in his introduction to Nawaqid Al-Islam, the Sheikh said, Hafiz Allah Ta'ala, وَهَذَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ yani, Sheikh Salah Al-Fawzan is continuing to explain the importance of studying these Nawaqid. He said, وَهَذَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ والسلام. خاف على نفسه من الشرك مع أنه هو الذي كسر الأسنان وأوذي في الله مع هذا لم يأمن على نفسه. يعني this is Ibrahim عليه الصلاة والسلام. He feared upon he feared for himself shirk. Even though he is the one that broke the idols. Remember. In the Quran, where Allah Taala mentioned that Ibrahim broke the idols, he broke the idols. So Ibrahim was one that was firm upon Tawheed. He was accorded to Tawheed. He was very firm upon Tawheed. But even with him being in that state of firmness and conviction as it relates to his iman, he still fe- he still feared upon himself. He did not feel safe. And what's the proof for that? The statement of Allah Azza in Surah Ibrahim, where Ibrahim said, where Allah Azza informed the statement of Ibrahim, the dua of Ibrahim, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَسْنَامِ رَبِّ إِنَّهُنَّ أَضْلَنَّ كَثِيرًا مِنَ النَّاسِ Ibrahim made a supplication to Allah Azza while him and his son Ibrahim alayhim salatu wassalam were building the Kaaba, yani from the greatest forms of worship, building the house of worship for Allah Azza wa Jal, for the sake of Allah, 
building this house of worship, the first house of worship upon the face of the earth. And dua, Ibrahim is making a dua to Allah Azawajal to assist him in abstaining from the idols. And he says, indeed, my Lord, they have led astray many of the people. They have led astray many of the people. What does Sheikh Salah Fawzan say? He says, لَمَّا رَأَى كَثْرَةَ الشُّرْكِ وَكَثْرَةَ الْمَفْتُونِينَ خَشِيَ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ When Ibrahim saw the vastness of shirk, the fact that it was widespread, the fact that the people of his time, the different lands, the different villages, they were all worshipping other than Allah Azawajal. They were all setting up partners with Allah and the people were heavily indulged in shirk, calling on other than Allah, praying to other than Allah. When Ibrahim saw this, nafsihi, he feared for himself and he feared for his children. He said, Save me and my children, my offspring. Then the Sheikh says, insanu basharun." وَالَّذِينَ وَكَعُوا فِي الشَّرْكِ بَشَرٍ وَالْإِنسَانِ لَا يُزَكِّي نَفْسَهُ وَلَا يَأْمَنْ عَلَى دِينِهِ بَلْ عَلَيْهِ الْخَوْفُ عَلَى دِينِهِ أَكْثَرَ مِمَّا يَخَافُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ وَعَلَى مَالِهِ وَعَلَى حُرْمِهِ He said, we're humans. A person is a human. And the people, we're humans. And the people that fell into shirk during the time of Ibrahim, they were? They were, they were what? They were humans. So the individual does not praise himself. He does not feel that he's above, he's safeguarded. The individual does not feel that his religion is safe. But rather, it is upon the individual to fear for his deen more than he fears for his life. It is upon him to fear for his deen more than he fears for his life. And more than he fears for his wealth, and more than he fears for his possessions, like his wife, his children, and the likes. Ibrahim said, O oh Allah, save me and my children from worshipping the idols. And this was, was the way of the prophets and the messengers. This was the way of the prophets and the messengers. They worshipped Allah Azza wa Jal, and they do, did so with fear and hope, as we're going to discuss later on. From the speech of Shaykh Salah al-Fawzan. But مثلاً, you have the Prophet وسلم, fearing for himself, fearing for his family. You have the hadith of Um Salama, radiallahu ta'ala anha, reported in Sahih al-Bukhari, where the Prophet وسلم, said, إِقِذُ oh, Um Salama, radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said, إِسْتَيْقَذَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ ذَاتَ لَيْلَةٍ فَقَالْ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ مَاذَا أُنْزِلَ اللَّيْلَةَ مِنَ الْفِتْنِ وَمَاذَا فُتِحَ مِنَ الْخَزَائِنِ إِيْقِذُوا صَوَاحِبِ الْحُجْرِ فَرُبَّ كَاسِيَةٍ فِي الدُّنْيَا عَارِيَةٍ فِي الْآخِرَةِ And this is just one example. Um Salama radiya she said that the Prophet ﷺ woke up one night 
And he said, Glory be to Allah. What has been sent down this night of trials and tribulations? What has been opened of treasures? Wake up the possessors of the homes, meaning wake up my wives. Wake up my wives. The Prophet ﷺ is telling to Um Salama, wake up your co-wives, wake them up. Yani, it's time to pray. It's possible that an individual is dressed in this life and that individual has no nothing to cover themselves, nothing to protect themselves in the hereafter. The Prophet ﷺ woke up in a state of fear. He woke up in a state of fear for himself, for his family. Wake them up, let's pray. And I was also mentioned by Aisha radiallahu in the books of hadith, مثلاً, when there was a, an eclipse, whether it was the eclipse of the sun or the eclipse of the moon, how the Prophet ﷺ would run to the masjid. He would run to the masjid and pray until the eclipse was cleared. So this shows you how the prophets and the messengers, starting from Ibrahim والسلام, down to our beloved messenger وسلم, did not fear, did not feel safeguarded. And it was also the way, and this was something that was taught to the companions of the Prophet as you have the hadith in Sahih Muslim on the authority of Abi Rib'i Hanzala ibn al-Rabi' al-Usaydi who was one of the individuals that the Prophet used to sit down with and tell him the revelation and he used to write it, the Qur'an. He was Katib al-Rasul He was someone that was so trustworthy that the Prophet entrusted him and others but he was from amongst the individuals that the Prophet ﷺ entrusted with to write down the Qur'an. And we know this story because it's mentioned by many of the scholars and their students that Hanzala came out and he saw Abu Bakr one night. And Abu Bakr said, how are you Hanzala? And Hanzala said, I'm a hypocrite. He said, I'm a hypocrite. And Abu Bakr said, inquired, why? Why would you say that? He said, because when we're with the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ is mentioning the hellfire and paradise, we, it's as if we're living in that life. And then we go home to our families and we sit and we joke and we relax. I feel that I'm a hypocrite. Abu Bakr who said, I feel that I'm the same. I find that same feeling. And then we know they went to the Prophet and the Prophet comforted them by saying, there's a time for this and there's a time for that. There's a time for your level of Iman to be extremely high and you to be focused. And then there's a time for you to enjoy time with your family. But the point is, look at how the Sahaba feared for their deen. They did not feel safeguarded. And we know from the, the greatest of the Sahaba, uh, Umar ibn Khattab, going, Umar ibn Khattab عنه, going to Hudayf ibn Yaman and said, I'm asking you by Allah, unshiduka fillah, I'm asking you by Allah, did the Prophet mention me from amongst the munafikun? Did the Prophet ﷺ mention my name from amongst the hypocrites? But the point is, as Sheikh Saul al-Fawzan mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that an individual should fear for his deen. And from fear for your deen is studying this type of work and understanding the content. 
what actions, statements, beliefs could take a person out of the fold of Islam. And in going on, Sheikh Salah Fozan, Habib Allah he says the importance of this topic is understood and the scholars they have authored works in Nawaqid al-Islam to clarify to the people as we mentioned the statement of Sheikh bin Bas it's upon us to clarify to the people what invalidates a person's Islam even so much so was mentioned uh, by Sheikh bin Bas himself he had a very uh, profound statement and it was taken from this explanation this compiled explanation but the statement itself was taken from his explanation of or his comments on Aqidat al-Tahawiyyah. Sheikh Abdulaziz bin Bas said a profound statement. He said, Ad-Dukhulu fihi, entering into Islam, muyassar, is easy. Entering, listen to the statement of Sheikh Abdulaziz bin Bas entering into Islam is easy. Wal-Khuruju minhu asra'u wa akthar. And leaving Islam is even quicker and even greater. SubhanAllah. Entering to Islam is easy. Doesn't take much time. Doesn't take much time. Right? It's easy. But leaving Islam is even easier. And more people do it. And more people do it. So, yani this affair of understanding and studying Nawaqid al-Islam is vital in the life of the Muslim. From that which Sheikh Salah Fawzan Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned in his introduction, continuing to explain the importance of studying Nawaqid al-Islam, he said, The reason why it's important for you to understand this topic is because your religion is the first of the sacred necessities. It is the first of the sacred necessities. What, do, what, what does he mean by the sacred necessities? The scholars of Islam, they have informed that Islam and the legislation, the Quran and the authentic sunnah of the Prophet if you read throughout the Quran and throughout the authentic sunnah of the Prophet you would understand that Islam preserves five sacred necessities. And any other necessity goes back to those necessities, those five. And it's built on the foundation of those five. This reality was mentioned by Imam al-Shatibi. Before we mentioned the, 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 the five that Sheikh Saad al-Fuzayn or his explanation of those five. This was mentioned by Imam al-Shatibi from amongst the Salaf. Rahim Allah Ta'ala in his book Al-Muwafiqat. Where he says, اتفقت الأمة he said, the Ummah of Islam, the scholars of this Ummah, the scholars of this Ummah, and the Ummah, the people of this Ummah, they are all in consensus. And even the people of other beliefs, even the people of other beliefs, they too agree with this and concur with this. And then he goes back to the statements of the scholars of Islam and the people of Islam. 
وضعت للمحافظة على ضروريات الخمس that the scholars of Islam and the people of Islam are in consensus that the legislation of Islam has been placed and legislated to protect the five sacred necessities. And the first of those sacred necessities is a person's religion. And the life. And the lineage. And his property and wealth. And his intellect. And these, this knowledge of these things and the understanding of these things are a necessity in the Muslim Ummah. It's clear. So anything, anything and anything you can think of, مثلاً, everything that Allah Azza wa Jal has legislated that a Muslim must do, that a believer must do, and everything that Allah Azza wa Jal has forbade a Muslim from doing, it goes back to one of these five necessities. For example, the prohibition of alcohol and drugs. Does it go back to one of these five necessities? Yes. It goes back to a person's intellect. Because when they become drugged, when they become intoxicated, they lose their intellect. And, it, and we know that the Prophet ﷺ said that it's the, the worst of, it's the Umm al-Khaba'ith. It's like the, the mother of the sins. So it leads to other things. You know? Uh, the Salat, the worship of Allah, does it go back to one of those five necessities? Yes, the religion. The f prohibition of fornication and adultery, does it go back to one of these necessities? Yes, it goes back to the lineage. So this was the statement of Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah ta'ala. Going back to what Sheikh Salah Fuzan said, he said, so the importance of understanding Nawaqt al-Islam, why? Because the five sacred necessities, the first of those five sacred necessities is a person's religion is the person's religion. And he mentions because of that, we know that a person's religion is, is sacred. The Prophet Wasallam said, uh, or from that which, and I'm not uh, reading word for word, لا يحل دم امرئن مسلم إلا بإحدى الثلاث The Prophet Wasallam said, the Muslim's life is sacred. His life is sacred, except three. The life for the life, and the fornication, or the afwan, the adultery, and the one who leaves his religion. The one who leaves his religion. So if a person leaves his religion, then his life is no longer sacred. So the most important thing, the most important thing in the life of the Muslim is his religion. The Prophet ﷺ said, Umirtu an uqatil an nas. In the hadith of Ibn Umar, I've been ordered to fight the people until what? Until they declare that there's no deity worthy of worship except Allah. So the first thing that's incumbent upon the Muslim and the most important thing in the life of the Muslim is his religion. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, when the Sahaba became a bit uh, impatient as it relates to the trials and tribulations that they were incurring in, uh, and they were afflicted with in Mecca. And they came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, why don't you supplicate 
that Allah destroys them, that Allah assists us. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, there were, there were men that came before you. There were men that came before you. A hole will be dug and they will be placed in that hole to their neck. So only their neck was above the ground. And then a saw was brought and their head was sliced in half. And that would still not cause them to turn from their religion. But you have to be patient. So the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in that hadith the extent of an individual's adherence and firmness upon his religion. Now, then the Shaykh said, and the second sacred necessity is a nafs, is a person's life. A person's life. And then Shaykh Habibullah Ta'ala explains, and because of that, if you take someone's life, your life is taken. As Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alaykum al-qisasu fi qatla. O you who believe qisas, capital punishment, has been legislated. An nafsu bin nafs. You kill someone, the legislation is that you are killed. The legislation is that you are killed. Unless the family, فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُمْ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٌ As Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. So whoever is pardoned by the family of the one who is murdered. Whoever is pardoned. But the point is, in Islam, you take someone's life, your life is taken. Because the life of the Muslim is sacred. The life of the Muslim is sacred. The third from the sacred necessities is Al-Aqlu. Is a person's intellect. Allah Azawajal has, as the Shaykh said, Allah Azawajal خَلَقَ هَذَا الْإِنسَانَ وَمَيَّزَهُ عَنْ غَيْرِهِ مِنَ الْمَخْلُقَاتِ The Shaykh said, Allah Azawajal created the human and Allah has distinguished the human over other creations. Over other creations. لَأَنَّهُ أَعْطَاهُ الْأَقْلَ لِيُمَيْتِ لِيُمَيِّزْ بِهِ بَيْنَ نَافِ وَالدَّارِ وَالطَّيِّبِ وَالْخَبِيثِ وَالْكُفْرِ وَالْإِيمَانِ Allah has given you intellect so that you can distinguish between that which is beneficial, that which is beneficial and that which is harmful. That which is good and that which isn't. That which is disbelief and faith. Allah has given you intellect. Whereas animals, animals do not have intellect. They do not know the difference between kufr and iman and, and the likes. As Allah Taala said in the Quran in Surah Al-Isra, وَلَقَدْ قَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمْ وَحَمَلْنَاهُمْ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ And Allah also says in Surah Al-Teen, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ In Surah Al-Isra, Allah Taala says, we have preferred Bani Adam, the human. We have preferred the human over the animals, over this, over that. Even Ibn Qayyim, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, in Miftah Dar al-Sa'ada, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala brings a, a long bab on which one is more beloved to Allah, the angels or the humans, subhanAllah, to that extent. To that extent. And what does he bring as a conclusion? Ibn Qayyim brings a conclusion that the believers from amongst, the believers from amongst the humans are better than the normal Angels, not مثلا, like Jibreel and 
you know, the, the, the high status angels. No, the normal angels. The normal angels that just worship Allah and glorify Allah. The believing human is better than that angel because that angel, angel does not have free will. Whereas the human has free will. The angels have no choice but to worship Allah Allah mentioned in two different places of the Quran, they do not disobey, they only obey Allah Allah mentions that in many places in the Quran. So the human, the believing human, knows what's right and knows what's wrong, and he chooses with his free will, and Allah gives him that ability through the will of Allah, he chooses to choose the right path. He chooses to choose the right path. So because of that, Ibn Qayyim and others from amongst the Salaf, they've come to the conclusion that the righteous human is better than the normal angel. But the point is, the second or the third from the, from the sacred necessities is the intellect. Allah has given us intellect. And this is a bounty from Allah Azawajal, unlike the, the animals. Unlike the animals. And, mathalan, uh, the right to choose, such as the angels. And this is a point that Ibn Qayyim also mentions in Adda'u wa Dawa, where he said, SubhanAllah, the believer, look at the virtues of the believer over the kafir. And how the kafir, and I'm uh, paraphrasing what he mentioned, how the kafir has made himself worse than, as Allah mentions, Allah mentioned they are like the cattle. Rather, they're even worse. Rather, they're even worse. They're even more astray. Ibn Qayyim said, look at the kafir, how he has debased himself and made himself worse than the animals. The animals... If they see something harmful, they abstain from it. But the kafir and the disbeliever and the sinner, he knows that something's harmful, but he still embarks upon it. He still embarks upon it. Now, in continuing, the fourth from the Dururat al-Khams, the fourth from the sacred necessities is preserving the wealth. Islam preserves a person's property, a person's wealth. As Allah, and he mentions, uh, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, وَالسَّارِقُ وَالسَّارِقَةُ فَاقْتَعُوا أَيْدِيَهُمَا جَزَاءٌ بِمَا كَسَبَا نَكَالًا مِنَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ The verse on Sariqah, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, where Allah mentioned, the person who steals, the male and the female, cut their hands from the wrist. Cut their hands from the wrist. Why? Because a person's wealth is sacred. And going back to that hadith of Ibn Umar that we mentioned previously, the hadith in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim and others, that the wealth of the life of the Muslim is sacred. The life of the Muslim is sacred. And you also have, as it relates to oh, the wealth of the Muslim, you also have the the hadith where the prophet ﷺ mentioned that if a person dies while fight, defending himself from someone stealing from him or entering into his home if that person dies then he's a shaheed so if someone tries to enter your home 
Or if someone approaches you on the street and tries to take your wealth and you fight him and you die, the Prophet mentioned that that person is a shaheed. Why? Because the wealth of the Muslim is sacred. The wealth of the Muslim is sacred. And the fifth from the sacred necessities is pres preservation of the lineage. And because of that, Allah has legislated the stoning and the lashing, the stoning of the adulteress and the lashing of the individual who commits fornication. Why has Allah legislated that? Because of the preservation of the lineage. And likewise, the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala, he mentions, and part of the lineage, a person's honor. Islam also protects a person's honor. And because of that, if you wrongfully accuse a person of being a fornicator or an adulteress without presenting your witnesses, then that individual is lashed 100 times. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and this is very important, especially in these days that we're living in. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, So the person who accuses an individual of being a fornicator or an adulteress, فَيَقُولُ فُلَانٌ زَانِي فُلَانٌ لُوتِي So if a person was to say, that person's an adulteress, that person's a fornicator, that person's gay, that person's a lesbian, without clarity, without clear clarity, you accusing another Muslim, you a, a Muslim accusing another Muslim of being a fornicator, an adulteress, uh, gay, lesbian, homosexual, the likes of that, a Muslim accusing another Muslim, Yujlad ba'd an yutalib. This person is lashed after he is sought. And this is the Muslim ruler that does it. It's just not anyone that does it. No, it's the Muslim ruler that does it. The Muslim ruler calls this individual. That he has to bring. The accuser has to bring four witnesses that explicitly inform, and there's another hadith where the Prophet mentioned that they have to even have seen the private part inside of the private part. The, all of them have to say that they saw it entering. So four witnesses have to be brought and all of them have to declare that they have seen the private part enter into the private part. And if not, And if the accuser is not able to present those witnesses, then he is lashed. And his reliability, his reliability and his trustworthiness is made invalid, void. He's no longer reliable, he's no longer trustworthy, no matter who he is. And it is ruled that this individual is an open sinner. SubhanAllah. This affair is not simple, my dear brothers and sisters. If a person 
accuses another individual of adultery or fornication or like the sheikh said or even being a homosexual without presenting four witnesses that heard it, that heard it no that heard rumors no that were informed by others no that saw the privates enter into the privates and if not even if they brought three witnesses, even if they brought two witnesses, no, four witnesses. Look at the extent of this affair. Why? Because a Muslim's honor is sacred. SubhanAllah. And indeed, this is very uh, applicable to what we see today as it relates to the fitna of Muhammad bin Hadi. May Allah Azza wa guide him. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, فَهَذِهِ هِيَ الدُّرُورَاتِ الْخَمْسِ التي أمر الله بحفظها ورتب العقوبات عليها. So these are the dururat, the five sacred necessities that Allah Azza wa Jal has ordered with. And we mentioned, yani, do you find in the hadith of the Prophet, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioning five sacred necessities? Or in the Quran, is there an ayat where Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned five sacred necessities? No. But the scholars of Islam, through their study, and research of the Quran and through their study and research of the authentic son of the Prophet ﷺ, they have deducted these five and any others go back to these five there's no other order or prohibition except that it goes back to except that it goes back to these five then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala goes on to the issue of uh, which is a person apostating from Islam which is a person apostating from Islam, and that would be next week. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Allah knows best. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barakatuh. Nabiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslimin kithira.